Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. to episode 22 of the Essendon People podcast. Uh, tonight's episode or today's episode is our round 14 preview of the game against Hawthorne uh, on Sunday at 20 past three, being played at the University of Tasmania Stadium in Launceston. So, Brendan, uh, we, don't, we don't normally have a Thursday show, but we thought given the bye and uh, having done the re- mid-season review, we thought it'd be a good opportunity to do a Thursday Thursday evening team selection show when we know a bit more about the teams and what we normally do when we do our preview. Yeah, it's um, it's normally when the preview done, it's all speculation, but we actually know the uh, we know the side, and uh, you know, obviously, but being in Hawthorne, playing playing against Hawthorne in Tasmania, it's kind of a you know a big occasion there. We've also had a bit a bit of club news today as well, so it's all kind of uh, lined up well for what's a bit of a special episode. Yeah, so we might jump straight into it then. And you just mentioned that that today was, uh, I guess, we had some good news. So that being that it was the signing extension or the contract extension, I should say, of Zach Merritt, who signed a new uh, six-year contract extension that sees him stay a bomber until the end of 2027. So that's essentially uh, for the rest of his career. I guess we're kind of expecting there to stay at Essendon now. So... He's currently 25 years of age. He was drafted pick number 26 in the 2013 National Draft. He's played 154 games uh, so far, and he's missed just 11 games since his debut. So been very durable, um, obviously looks after himself well and had maybe a bit of luck along the way. And uh, hopefully that continues because he's been a very good contributor so far. And this was obviously a signature that the club was pretty keen to get done. Yeah, no, definitely. He's a... He's our best player, Zach. He's a uh, you know two-time best and fairest winner. He's uh, a previous winner of an All Australian award. Um, yeah, he's just a star. He you know can play midfield uh, very well is what he's doing now. And I guess as he gets a bit older, I think they might even maybe push him forward there. He's shown in the, early in his career he was quite a handy a half forward could kick a kick a goal. And then with his you know ability to distribute by foot, maybe even. Half back, if I need someone to provide a bit of bit of run and a bit of direction there. So, you know, like you said, Mark, he's 25 now, six year deal. It'll be you know 31, 32 by the time that expires. So, uh, you know, the tagline has been bomber for life. You know, I think you know he might still have a um a year or two uh, after this de- deal expires. Yeah, so it might not be his last contract, but um. Yeah, it'll be good to see him in for the long haul. Uh, I guess what's interesting is we've all had a glut of uh, re-signings recently. It's not just Merritt today. But we've had Dev Smith, Mason Redman, Harry Jones, Braden Ham, Nick Bryan, and you know Alec Waterman. And that's I think it's a really good sign of where the club is at, uh, the culture that you know Ben Rudd and Blake Carousella have brought in uh, into the side, and kind of it's a long way away from where we were. Six months ago, at the end of uh, the John Worsfield era, with all the turmoil that was in the club, at, you know, with a couple of key players uh, moving on to other clubs, and it seems like this Brasher review uh, really has identified some key areas and kind of put us on a, um, a good path going forward. Yeah, I think this is pretty much the perfect situation for him to re-sign, at, you know, during the mid-season break for us. Um, I, I guess there's a tendency sometimes for these things to drag on and go right to the end of the year. And we didn't really want that happening. And it's, it's a good sign of commitment. And I guess Zach's faith in the, in the group and the way that the team and the club and the culture and everything is, is kind of building. So um, I think this is probably the best case scenario. If, if at the start of the year, someone said to you, you know, Zach Merritt will sign by middle of the year. Uh, you take that every day of the week. If, if it meant that, you know, within you know, 11 or 12 games that he he was going to see enough to, to put pen to paper. Um, I think that's a great result. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's been reported that, you know, it 
it's a $800,000 a year deal as well. So that's all, I guess, speculation. Nobody knows, but Zach and the club. But if that's the case, he's um he's taken unders to stay at the club, which is a good sign. You know, he could have got more money from us or, you know, he could have got more money elsewhere. So it's good that he's um he stayed loyal. So we'll just get to some quotes here. So firstly, from Merritt, he says, it's a privilege to play for the Essendon Football Club. I'm really excited to have agreed to terms on a new deal. There's no doubt that the direction that the club is heading is the most exciting part. We are really clear in where we're heading under Ben Rutten or Truck, and this new football environment is very clearly united and aligned. The environment is something I wanted to continue to be a part of. It's really enjoyable watching the energy of the young players are bringing into the club. Ultimately, it's on us, the playing group, to drive our own future success. So I'm wrapped. My future is here with the Bombs. Yeah, and then uh, Adrian Dodoro, um, the, the list manager there, had some quotes as well. So he said that Zach's an elite midfielder in the AFL and that we're delighted that he will remain in the club for at least another six years. Uh, is a considered and diligent young man who's very openly weighed up this important decision on his future. Zach had our full support in doing so as part of the process and we're really pleased to have now reached that outcome. So I think that was really positive that um, Dodoro and the club sort of obviously openly let him have a think about it and I guess let the club prove to, to Zach that things were heading in the right direction at Essendon. Um, so that was good. Then the last quote here from Dodoro was that Zach's the ultimate professional who demands the best out of himself and his teammates for the betterment of the football club. You can clearly see the exciting path that the football program is headed. And we know that he'll continue to showcase his strong leadership capabilities, both on and off the field to support our exciting young playing group to achieve success over the years to come. So um, I guess the main thing I took out of the last one is that uh, he, he does demand the best out of himself and others. And I guess that others part is a big one. He, he definitely is fully committed. He, he's a full steam ahead sort of guy. He's a natural leader and um, he will bring others along with him. And you could definitely see him continuing in those leadership roles and potentially progressing to captain uh, when Heppel um, finishes in that role. So, yeah, really great news that, uh, that Zach Merritt signed a big six-year deal and that's probably a weight off the shoulders for a few people at the club. And it was really um, positive to see as well that on social media, all the other players, um, just about every player I, I, I could recall on the list really got around it and reposted it on Instagram and the like. So everyone's obviously really excited to uh, to finally hear the confirmation that, that Merritt is going to don the sash for a further six years. Yeah, so we'll move on to, to the next bit of news. Uh, unfortunately, um, not as good. Uh, Aaron Francis there. So it was uh, announced today through the media that, he won't be uh, playing this weekend against Hawthorne. Uh, he will be an out. Uh, he's gone to back back home to South Australia to be with his family. Uh, the club has granted him leave to manage his mental health. Uh, he's got some personal issues I think everyone's well aware of. Uh, so it's just a good time for him to go back, uh, be with his family. I think the plan is that he'll come back next week and uh, be able to play. Uh, he's missed the past couple of games with through some injury, and obviously we've been in a state a lot this year. So I think it's, it's really important that for the players to um, be able to be with their families and kind of mental health is really important. So uh, the club, you know, has made this decision with Francis, and they have his full support, and we obviously give him full support to, to Franger there. There's been a you know a bit of media this week about about players and their mental health and being with family and missing games. Uh, we're, we're fully supportive of, of Aaron and it's good to see that the club has come out and put a, and said that they're, they're supportive of him as well. Yeah. Um, the, the timing, I guess, uh, coincidentally this week is um, uh, men's mental health week, international men's mental health week, I think it's referred to as so. Um yeah, obviously Aaron's a really important player in the team and the club, but nothing's more important than someone's physical and mental health. So uh, as long as he needs to get it right, then that's what it is. And it, there's there's opportunities for others um, in his absence to, to stand up as well. So, uh, yeah, we wish Aaron all the best and um, hopefully to see him back uh, smiling out there on the field with his teammates soon. Um, do you want to talk us through some VFL and some VFLW updates maybe? 
Yeah, so uh, with the easing of COVID restrictions here in Victoria, uh, it, it, the VFL and VFLW teams are going to be able to start their seasons back up again. So that I think this week they've managed to get back into training and now the games are going to commence. So unfortunately, fans won't be allowed to attend these games. So um, you might have to see, get them through other means. I know the VFL game is going to be broadcast on KO. So if people were keen enough, they could watch it that way or they could, uh, I'm sure, they'll be able to file live updates on you know, Twitter, Facebook, those types of things. The club does uh, a pretty good job of keeping people up to date during the game. Uh, so the VFLW girls, they're playing Williamstown. Uh, down at Oval at 1pm on Saturday. And the VFL boys are playing Box Hill at 11.05 on Sunday at Windy Hill. So, unfortunate uh, being a home game at Windy Hill, we couldn't couldn't get along, but I guess it's just kind of one of those things we just got to deal with it while exactly. we, we can. That's right. It's good news that um, such is the situation now in Victoria that we're able to return to these types of sports. So, uh, the VFLW game is a really big one because uh, they're they're right on the cusp of finals. So if they can get the job done against Williamstown, who I think they did beat earlier in the year, then um, that'll be a great result and set them up really well heading towards finals. And then the VFL, um, not so much for me, not so much important about the result really in the VFL. We'd love to have a win, obviously. But um, I think it's just really important that games are back now for, you know, guys that spring to mind is someone like a Kia McBride or a Lockie Johnson, just getting minutes and game time and experience into those sort of guys that are coming through is, um, is really key. Yeah. Josh Air, Tom Hurd, a lot of those younger players having missed either football at AFL level last year due to COVID or through, you know, NAB league football, they're a year behind where they wouldn't ordinarily would have been. So really getting that um, exposure to play, at a very high level against, you know, it's an open age men's competition. So it, it'll be good for them to get that experience. We might go to a quick break now and then we'll come back with uh, the team selection for the game against Hawthorne. And we'll jump into what is a pretty exciting uh, list of ins uh, for this week. So, um, Essendon's injury list uh, obviously everyone's probably fairly familiar with it but Peter Wright with, Peter Wright with a calf injury is a test for this week such as uh, Devin Smith as well with his hamstring Dylan Scheel uh, with his knee is listed as short term which we think might be a three to four week kind of time frame David Zarakis with a hamstring probably similar we think is uh, yeah he did it against um, did it against uh, Richmond, Richmond, I think. So, yeah, he's probably still three to four weeks away, you would have thought as well. Will Snelling with a thumb. Uh, my guesstimation is that he's probably about another week away, uh, I would have thought. And uh, Dylan Clark with the ankle, who knows? The club hasn't really provided many updates on the, on Dylan lately. Andrew McGrath with the knee, we know, is sort of a 12-week. That's probably the rest of the year done for him. Michael Hurley with his Illness is uh, is ruled out indefinitely. Joe Caldwell with his hamstring probably haven't uh, won't see him again this year. I wouldn't have thought. Irving Mosquito uh, knee rehab plus a bit of personal leave um, won't see him again this year either. And Kate Baldwin with his knee, uh, we're just waiting to probably get an update that he's able to join in full training to start with before we consider you know him for any VFL games or the like. Um, Hawthorne's injury list. Uh, maybe some of the more main ones here. Jack Gunston has a back injury. He's uh, just listed as, as to be confirmed, so I'm not really sure where he sits. Kyle Hardigan has, uh, is sitting out due to suspension. It isn't due back until round 15. And uh, Mitch Lewis with a concussion, to be confirmed. Harry Morrison with a hamstring, to be confirmed. Seamus Mitchell with an ankle, two to three weeks away. Ned Reeves with an ankle as a test. James Sicily, pretty good player for them, but he's uh, been ruled out indefinitely with a knee and James Warple uh, as well, pretty handy player, but has been suspended and not due back till round 15. So that's the injury list. Um, maybe Brendan, if you want to maybe just mention who our ins are for our extended squad that's been named on Thursday. Yeah, sure. So it's 20 man, six squad, 20 man uh, player squads because it's a Sunday game. So our ins are Devin Smith, Sam Draper, Tom Cutler, Brandon Zerk-Thatcher, Sam Durham, 
Peter Wright, Ned Cahill, and Zach Reed. So the the two that really stand out there are Devin Smith and Sam Draper. They're obviously over their injuries, and they're straight back into the senior side. Uh, Tommy Cutler's, uh, you know, over his injuries as well, but obviously not as big a, big a name, not a regular best 18 player like the other two are. Uh, Zerk Thatcher comes back in as he was admitted in the week previous, the Richmond game. Um, Durham, potential inclusion as a, you know, mid-season pickup. So uh, it'd be good to see a young fella get a game. As you mentioned, Peter Wright's a test. Uh, my guess is probably, you know, 40, 60 to play. I think it's more unlikely than likely. And then Cahill and Reid are young players that are, have been playing some VFL games of those. Uh, I think they had some organised scratch matches similar to the hub with the COVID situation here in recent weeks. So they may have been getting some game time against other AFL clubs like that. So the outs are obviously Andy McGrath with the knee, uh, David Zaharakis with his hammy, uh, Aaron Francis, as we mentioned, for personal reason. Alec Waterman is listed as a calf, but he's not listed in in the injury list as having any injury. Uh, and uh, Paddy Ambrose has been omitted. Uh, what did you think of those ins and outs, Mark? Yeah, I was really excited by the ins. I, I thought, obviously, like you said, good to get um, Devin Smith and Sam Draper back, particularly Sam Draper. We're really excited to see him play this year, and that was sort of taken away from us as early as round two. Um, I was excited to see Brandon Zerk Thatcher given another opportunity. I think so far what we've seen from him, he's been down on confidence a little bit and um, didn't maybe seem to have the confidence of the, you know, the team selection or coaching panel. So it's good to see him get another shot and the, the fact that he hasn't just been put out in the cold. Um, Sam Durham, the, the player who we picked up in the mid-season draft, the rookie draft there, uh, I thought that that was really a really positive display uh, and, and sign of commitment from the club to playing youth. And I, I thought that that was a real statement that they made by listing him, even if he doesn't play in the side, just putting him, you know, on the team sheet there as, as the extended squad would really give him a boost of confidence. Um, and I think a real statement from the club that, you know, that this is, this is a serious selection that, that they're looking at putting straight in. So um, that's good. Peter Wright, like you said, I think that's more than likely not going to happen. Ned Cahill, we haven't seen for a little while. So I know that we've spoken about Ned in the last couple of weeks and, and his potential coming back into the side. And I know we'd both be excited to see that. And then Zach Reed, we've obviously only seen play in the once. So that's that's another really exciting prospect. So I know they can't all fit in the side, but um, there's a lot of names there that the, you know, the word exciting just keeps coming up. So I guess what have we got with the outs? We've got what, one, two, three, four, five definite outs. So there's, there's going to be five definite changes. And I guess... Um, it's interesting maybe if we go through who we think the five are and who we think misses out. Yeah, so uh, I think we were talking just before we started this, uh, we're a bit old school in the way that we look at the uh, the naming of the team sheet there. Uh, probably a bit foolish considering uh, our, you know, the way that side's been named over the journey hasn't really reflected the positions that the players were playing. But the name Zerk Thatcher at fullback, they've named Tommy Cutler on a wing, They've named Dev Smith at half forward and they've named Sam Draper uh, as the Ruckman. So in, in the old way of viewing it, you would say those four are definitely in the side because they're named in the, <laughs> on the ground. Uh, I think that makes sense for all four of them to play. You know, as I said, Draper and Devin Smith are senior players. Zerk Thatcher at, at fullback, I think, is a really good thing. You look at the, how the back line's measured up, it's actually... Um, Got a lot more balance having the two Talls and Dirk Thatcher and Stewart together. Uh, Laverde and Ridley can play that third and fourth Tall. Uh, Redmond's provides a run. Heppel's obviously going to fight in and out through into the midfield, I think, uh, this game. Tommy Cutler on a wing, I think, is great. I think we mentioned at the start of the year when he was named sub a couple of times that he's almost a perfect sub. He's, you know, he's that tall, he's that 190-plus. He can play a wing, can play half-back, play half-forward. Uh, I think he's a really good inclusion. And, um, yeah, I think those four are definitely in. I think the only questions will be, do we prioritise youth over some experience? So do we say Zach Reed will play Zach Reed over Brandon Zerk Thatcher? <laughs> you know, <laughs> talk about youth. BZT is, what, 22, so he's not as if he's uh, if he's old there. 
but, you know, Cutler is an example. Do we play Durham or Nettie Cahill instead of Tom Cutler? Uh, so they're the type of questions I think uh, I would ask. But, yeah, it's exciting to see uh, some ins. Yeah, and I guess we've got – so we said that there's going to there's gonna be five definite outs through injury and uh, uh, personal reasons for Francis and, I guess, um, Ambrose has been listed already as omitted. So there's five definite outs. And I feel like there could be a sixth. With uh, we're obviously not going to play, you know, Sam Draper and maybe Andrew Phillips and Peter Wright all in the same side. I know Peter Wright's listed as maybe an in that we don't think is going in, but um, I, my gut feel is that we're not going to play Sam Draper and Andrew Phillips in the same side. So Phillips is listed on the bench at the moment. He didn't play particularly well against Richmond. Um, so my gut feel is that Phillips might drop out of the side too, which means that six out of the side. I guess out of the out of the ins, uh, I guess that that would maybe I could see maybe Cahill coming in. Uh, I guess to replace someone like a Waterman, even though Cahill was tipped to play in the back line this year, I don't think that's quite worked out. So I could see him coming in to replace Waterman, and then I'm really not sure if Wright's not going to get up, um, and they do take Phillips out. You know, maybe do they play as Zachary and shuffle around the side a little bit? But uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to watch play out. You know, having this many changes in a week is is pretty uncommon uh, most weeks, which is what you want because you don't want a lot of change and you don't want a lot of injuries. But um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting prospect to see what the final balance is when it comes through uh, the twenty four hours prior to the game. Yeah, yeah. So we'll move on to to Hawthorne there. Just touch on them briefly. So they've had the uh, the five ins as well. They've had. Uh, Cousins, Bramble, who's the first gamer, uh, Tyler Brockman, Connor Nash and Emerson Jecker. And they've obviously had the outs of Harry Morrison and James Warple with a hamstring and suspension, respectively. Uh, they've got some interesting selections in terms of how they've got their side named. They've got John Segler named at the ruck and they've got uh, Ben McAvoy named at full forward. Uh uh, he Ben McAvoy has played uh, multiple roles. You know, he has kind of played forward. He's played centre half back there. I think he's probably he's their ruckman. But I do see McAvoy and Segler rotating. You know, Segler's obviously played a lot of f- football forwards. So that's a potential option there. They've named Kaczynski in the forward line. He's obviously having a pretty good year as a young tall forward. But if you look at their um, look at their bench, they've got Tim O'Brien and Emerson Jecker there as well. They're also tall forwards. I don't think they're going to play, you know, three tall forwards plus two Ruckman. Uh, that's doesn't seem to be a plausible thing. Uh, if you look down back, they look a bit light on for key defenders. They've got Sam Frost there, but then they've got, you know, Jack Scrimshaw, uh, GF, and then playing Will Day on a wing. So they're more your, your mediums to talls there. So, uh, they don't really have anyone on the bench. You mentioned before they've had a had a few suspensions there and injuries. I thought maybe Michael Hartley, a former Essendon player, might have been able to to get a game, but he hasn't um he hasn't made the squad. So you know, Kaczynski has played uh, as a key defender. He was drafted as a key defender, so he could go back, and that would might allow them to play O'Brien and Jekyll forward. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've got, you know, Jai Newcomb, who's their mid-season drafter. He played last week. I think he had 14 tackles on debut, which is, you know, the most tackles for a player on debut ever. So um, it'd be interesting to see if we play yeah, Durham with a – they might match up yeah, or, you know, cross each other's paths. Yeah. What, what did you think quickly on Hawthorne before we, uh, before we move on, Mark? Yeah, I think it's a good point about their back line potentially being a bit lying on and that maybe that's something that we can try and take advantage on. Um, you know, I guess we've got Kyle Hooker and Harry Jones and whether or not Peter Wright comes in or, um, you know, we, we go with, you know, resting uh, Sam Draper up there at times or, or whatever. So uh, hopefully we can take advantage of that. Uh, you know, I guess once you go past, you know, Kyle Hooker takes a pretty good defender. Jake Stringer obviously takes a pretty good defender. Then maybe that starts to let someone like a Harrison Jones get off the chain a little bit, um, give him a bit of opportunity to play on someone a bit better matched up with his level of experience. Um, so that, that'll be an interesting one to see how that sort of plays out. And uh, I've just got a feeling that Tipper might have a big game here and, um, yeah, might be a good opportunity for him as well to to uh, to hit the scoreboard again. He was um, 
good, played well last last time out, but uh, wasn't able to hit the scoreboard. So hopefully he's back in action, hitting the scoreboard, and can take advantage of maybe a back line from Hawthorne that's maybe not as strong. Um, having said that, they've got some some good players down there. Um, Chang Kuth, GF, uh, CJ, as they call him, uh, very, very good form this year, very handy player, provides a lot of runoff halfback. So while they might seem a little bit underdone, we've also got to be respectful and guess and careful that, you know, there are still some handy players down there as well. Um, probably good timing maybe to go through some of the key opposition players. So did you want to kick us off for that one? Yeah, cool. So obviously start, start in the midfield there with, uh, you know, Tommy Mitchell, uh, Brownlow medalist, uh, strong clearance player, uh, has actually worked into a fair bit of form in recent weeks. He's been getting his, his numbers up in terms of disposal, but also his impact has gone through the through the roof. He's had a bit of a bit of a slow start to the year, but he's he's kind of getting back to the form that saw him uh, be an All Australian and, and win the Brownlow medal. So I think the obvious matchup for him is is. Uh, our potential Brownlow medalist and, and Clarence Starr and Darcy Parrish. I think both both the smaller midfielders both love working under the Ruckman's nose and that real like, first possession clearance handball release players. So, you know, we talked earlier in the year with uh, Sam Draper. I think one of our first comments in that round one game is, uh, wow, how is the combination between the number two and the number three, you know? Uh, they sit next to each other in the, in the locker room there and they had a really good a ruckman to uh, rover, uh, you know, hit out then clearance rate. So I think maybe that combination could come back, and maybe that's something we could take advantage of. Uh, the next one is um, obviously Jaeger Amira. He's their he's their next big best midfielder, uh, especially with a Warple out. Um, he's kind of an inside outside player. Has that has that you know touch of class and. You know, maybe not as explosive as what he has been in the past, but still has a bit of a pace when he needs it. And I guess, you know, with all the injuries that we've had uh, to the midfield with, you know, McGrath, Shield, Caldwell, Zach Merritt is the uh, is the perfect guy to go to him. And I think Zach might be able to uh, exploit him in some areas there, especially going forward. Might be able to get a few inside 50s or even uh, kick a goal too. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I agree. They're good matchups. I think for two two pretty good midfielders to play against two other pretty good midfielders would be uh, interesting to see them go head to head. Hawthorne uh, on their list, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't stand out that they have a genuine you know tagger that they send to a guy to sort of hassle and and um, beat up on. So I guess we might see a bit of head to head midfield um, battles, which would be good. The next player on the list was uh, Chankuth Giath, um, who we mentioned earlier. So he plays off halfback. He's got height, pace, athleticism, um, plays on instinct. So he's an exciting, creative player to watch and uh, one that we need to be aware of. He he tore us up a little bit in round one, and he was one of the one of the key um, cogs in in getting the wheel turning for them to get back in the game for us against round one, and gave them a lot of drive, gave them a lot of option. Um, heading up the field. So he's one that we need to be aware of. And we thought that maybe Harry Jones playing that defensive forward role, Harry's proven to to show that he's got, got a bit of a turn of pace. He's got good efforts and can run up and down and got a pretty decent tank for a, for a uh, second-year player. And uh, he's got the height to go with him as well. So um, he ticks a few boxes and maybe that's a good matchup. Um, the next player we had down was Jarman Impey. So he's a, a, a pacey and classy small defender. He's been in the system for a little bit now. Um, you know, he's creative. He can set up, you know, attack from defence. Uh, he, he's, he's a good ball user as well. So someone that might be able to play on him is Devin Smith. Uh, I guess similar kind of height, similar kind of build, so they can go physically with each other. Um, and maybe Devin can sort of nullify um, Jarman Impey's impact uh, on, on the game. Um, who was the last one we had on the list there, Brendan? Yeah, we just had uh, Luke Bruce. He's currently leading their, their goal kicking. He's kicked the 20 goals this year. Uh, he is a, a multiple Australian, you know. He just has that happy knack of, you know, he can be at the drop of the ball and he'll find the goals. He doesn't have to look. He can just throw the ball in the boot and he, he knows exactly where the goals are. So uh, given our back line, uh, I think Nick Hine is probably the best opportunity opposition for him. He's got the uh, pace to go with him, and he's got the lateral movement. He's quite nippy. He can kind of move side to side. 
He's a strong tackler and he's disciplined, Nick Kind. So going to seeing a player like Luke Bruce is uh, is the role for him. He's, it's going to be an important role as well because, they're, as we mentioned earlier, their forward line looks uh, quite inexperienced there, doesn't really have anyone who's a natural, natural forward. They're kind of more makeshift forwards, kind of playing guys in different roles. Uh, so he's going to be their, their number one forward despite being a, a smaller player there, Luke Bruce. So we might move on to the three questions for this week. Uh, I'll kick it off by asking you question number one. How do we replace our best 18 players in particular in uh, Andy McGrath and Aaron Francis? Who, who do you bring in for each one of those to play those roles? Well, how do you swap around the team? Who, who goes and plays in the midfield for McGrath and who takes Francis' spot down back? Oh, well, with, with McGrath, I, I think there's really three options. I think Kyle Langford's going to be the first option. He's going to be the guy they send in there to play more midfield time. And I think that's a good thing. He kind of, over recent weeks, has kind of played a little bit more midfield here and there, and he's really stepped up. Uh, I also think an option is to play Dyson Heppel uh, as back as a midfielder. He's obviously had the 12, the 10 games in the first half of the year to get the legs uh, running to his legs. We've got ample guys going to play play back. You could, you know, we could bring in a Zach Reed to maybe fill that role if we needed to. We've got Nick Hine there. We've got Mason Redman. You know, Sam Durham can play halfback if required. So I think that that's something that should be considered. And finally is Jake Stringer. He's obviously been a very important stoppage player for us pushes forward, maybe we ask him to play a few more midfield minutes and we kind of see, I think they really want to turn him into a Dustin Martin type player. Uh, Maybe this is his opportunity. We say, Jake, go in there full time and see what you can give us. My my worry would be his tank. He's obviously had some injuries of recent times and whether he could um, sustain a full four quarters. Uh, we've seen in games in the past where he's been really strong in the midfield. He get kind of then floats forward and he's knackered and he can't really do as much as what we need forward. So I think finding a balance there with, with Jake would be important. And then obviously with with Aaron, uh, I think the opportunity is there to to blood a, a Zach Reed or to go with a smaller backline that's kind of a bit more mobile which I think is what we'll probably do just looking at uh, as a matchup for the opposition there. They don't really have any big monsters that we're going to have to kind of wrestle out. And I think Stuart and Jack Thatcher can, um, can do the job, especially with someone like Laverde there as a third tall, who's been playing, you know, as almost as the number one key defender anyway, despite his height. So I think we're, we're well stocked down back. What did you think? Yeah, I tend to agree uh, with everything. McGrath, I think it makes sense that Langford's probably the logical guy to step up and play, I guess, significantly more midfield minutes. Um, I guess I was a little bit worried when McGrath went down because we sort of obviously lose a good player and I was a little bit worried about our depth. But looking through the list more, it provides some good opportunities. Langford's the one we just spoke about. But, um, you know, there's no reason that some lesser-known names can't, pinch hit in there too you know like looking through the list Perkins has been in there at times this year so he can spend some minutes in there um you know Braden Braden Ham you know if he's Cutler's on a wing and Ham sort of pushed out of that position I know he's a little bit of a lighter frame but potentially he could spend some minutes in there he's been been seen to be a good ball user um pretty smart pretty quick you know Matt Guelphie may be an unpopular opinion, but is there a reason why he can't pinch hit in there too? You know, Devin Smith's played that role before, so we've got we've definitely got options. But I think we're more likely to see Kyle Langford play the majority of those minutes with guys like Stringer rotating through there, like you said. Um, with Francis, I tend to agree as well. I think I think BZT is the the obvious straight swap. Um, I'm excited to see Zach Reed play again, uh, but I think. Yeah, I think uh, BZT has been sort of the go-to at times when we've needed needed to replace someone in the in the back line this year. And um, like you said, we've got a few options down there and we're pretty settled. So I think a straight swap there is logical. And I guess uh, Zach Reed sort of just waits for his next opportunity in the meantime. Cool. 
So I'll ask you a second question. Do we prioritise the playing of younger players such as Ned Cahill, Zachary and Sam Durham ahead of more senior guys like a Tom Cutler, a Mac Welfy, a James Stewart? What do you think? Uh, short answer, yes. I think we do within reason. So I think you obviously can't go too young and go in with a really inexperienced side. But I think it's I think it's proven this year to to be a good a good thing. And I think the fact that you know a lot of guys like um, you know Nick Bryan even debuting this year. You know Cahill played some games earlier in the year. We've seen a lot of guys on the list play games. Um, already this year, you know, we said earlier that it was a bit of a statement that they've named Sam Durham as well. So I think the youth thing's really working and maybe that's something that's helped build the culture is that players feel like they're part of the team and they're not just left on the sidelines and, you know, you're always a chance to get up and play and play in the side. So I think, yes, I think, I think there's real value in playing the youth and getting them experience and that's the future of the club. So um, not saying, you know, don't ever play the guys like, you know, an Ambrose or someone like that, but, uh, I think, I think the, where we're at as a club, playing playing these guys like Cahill, Reed, and Durham uh, is a good option. Is that uh, were you of the same opinion, or did you have some different thoughts? Yeah, no, I would definitely play them. I guess the decision really has to be made. With you know, I've mentioned those three players: Guelphie, Stewart, and Cutler. I think really, if we focus in on Tom Cutler and say someone like Ned Cahill, what what's the advantage of playing? Cutler ahead of Cahill. What can Cutler provide that Cahill can't? You know, I talked maybe before his height, his ability to play multiple positions, the fact that he can kind of play inside, I think probably goes to Cutler's advantage. So I'm happy for him to get the game. But if there's a situation where it's a bit more 50 50, uh, we maybe have to go the other way and go for youth. So James Stewart and Zach Reed, for instance, you know, do we say, Stewart's 27, you know, he's been playing some okay football, but, you know, Zach's younger, do we give him a, give him a run? You know, it, I guess it's, it's really hard because there's no VFL football, hasn't been VFL football, so guys like Cahill and Reid haven't had the opportunity and they're not at the VFL level, you're knocking the door down, getting, you, you know, 30 disposals or dominating, taking 15 marks as key defender, so... I don't know if that's the, the prime opportunity to do that now, but I do definitely think it's something that where it's a 50-50 uh, decision, uh, depending obviously on matchups and form, I think it will uh, should go the younger player uh, over the older one, especially with guys that, you know, if this list is going to be a premiership side in three to five years, is Tom Cutler going to be there in three to five years? Is, is a James Stewart going to be there in three to five years? Is a Paddy Ambrose going to be there in three to five years? Is there an Andrew Phillips going to be there in three to five years? That they, They're the questions I guess the match committee has to consider and then think, well, can we – is there going to be an advantage of, of us playing a younger player now to see what they've got and see if the potential growth that they might have as opposed to playing a senior guy who we really kind of know what his game is all about? Yeah, and I think the other thing is it's sort of horses for courses to, you know, this week we play Hawthorne, who's probably a, a team that's more evenly matched with where we are in the ladder. Next week we play Melbourne. So if you're going to play these these younger kids, probably a game like this is the one to do it where you've got, you know, they're, they're going to be playing against other people who are maybe similar experience. Um, like you said, Hawthorne's playing like a giant Newcomb who just came into their team two weeks ago through the mid-season draft. So, um, you know, obviously maybe next week against Melbourne, that's when you're kind of leaning on a bit more experience, you know, if you need if you need a, a you know, a guy like a James Stewart who's who's sort of seen been around the block and seen a few things and maybe he's gonna hold up a bit better than Zach Reed. So I think it's a week by week decision as well, uh, a little bit. That probably brings us to the third question, which uh Hawthorne play a few games in Tassie. They've obviously got a bit of a deal where they uh they play some of their home games in Tasmania. So is the Hawthorne experience in Tassie enough to change the result? Do they get enough of an advantage uh, out of this to to uh, to influence the result? Uh, I guess it depends how good do you think we are. <laughs> if this is a if this is a game we should win by uh, a decent margin, I would say no. 
But I do definitely think it's uh, an advantage of Hawthorne to to know the conditions, to know how to play the ground. It's obviously a lot more exposed in terms of only kind of one grandstand there. So the wind and the 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 wet the wet weather or the the, the ground conditions is obviously going to impact the game uh, more if that comes. And obviously Hawthorne have more experience in that. And um, we we have a history of not being the greatest in the the windy conditions or the wet weather. So uh, hopefully that doesn't come for us. But I would say no. But I do I do recognise that it might be worth one or two goals to them, just the, the knowledge of the ground. And then say if there's a wind on that day and they get they manage to kick with the wind, that might be, say, another two goals. So all of a sudden you look at it as a, a four-goal disadvantage to you. Are we, are we better than uh, Hawthorne by four goals? I'd probably say yes. Right? If you look at the start of the year, you know, what were we? we were, you know, six goals up at the half. I would say that's probably about where we're at. Having said that, we're not we're not superstars. We've only won the what the five six games, so it's not like we're um, you know we're top four or anything like that. But I do think it is an advantage, but it shouldn't it shouldn't cost us the game. What do you think? Yeah, I think the same. Um, you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't be enough in the talking point that uh, you know it's not like travelling to Perth to play a game or. Uh, Traveling to Adelaide Oval, where there's big crowd influence and things like that, that factor in as well. So I think, yeah, Hawthorne having played there a few times, and a lot of these guys on the list having played there, they're obviously going to know the ground and, like you said, know the conditions a bit better, feel a bit more comfortable about you know knowing just where everything is there. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's enough of a, an advantage to influence the results. So I think we're still on uh, level, level playing field in that respect. Um, I know the segment's called Three Questions, but I've got a uh, question without notice, a, a fourth oh. question. Um, pretty easy one, I, I think. No, it's not uh, not too involved. But who do you think the sub is this week? It's um, it's uh, it's something that sort of, I guess, players don't want to be stuck being the sub as much as they don't want to be out of the side. It's, uh, it's kind of a difficult role to fill. Who's the sub for us this week, do you think? Oh, okay. Well, I guess it depends what we decide to go with our interchange with. So at the moment, uh, our interchange is Nick Hine, Nick Cox, Matt Guelphy, Ned Cahill, Angie Phillips, Zach Reed, Sam Duran, Peter Wright. So my, I think it's fair to say, I don't think Peter Wright's going to play because it's talk that he might not get up. And I think we both agree that you're not going to play Draper and Phillips together. So those two guys are not going to play. So, uh, I would probably pick uh, Cahill ahead of Reed and Durham uh, just because he's a more senior player uh, and then I think there's not more opportunity for him to impact on the game. So then I'm guessing as a sub, who would you take, Reed or Durham? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't like the – I think we talked about this here. I don't like the idea of playing debutants as a sub. So I think maybe that means you've got to go Zach Reed. Uh, I guess it might come down to conditions. If it's, a, if it's a horrible game, you know, even though Zach played his first games in horrible conditions in Brisbane, I don't know if you want a 203-centimetre key defender as a sub when the opposition doesn't have heat key tools and it's raining down in Tasmania. So <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Durham's it. Maybe they decide, no, we're going to play Durham and maybe someone like, uh, a Mac Welfy becomes a sub, but yeah, I'm not sure. Who do you think? I think it's out of Cahill and Durham, to be honest. Uh, yeah, for me, I, I was probably leaning the same way. I also hope that they don't give Durham the sub, you know, the sub best in his debut. I don't think that's a great look um, and get, not a great experience for a young player. Um, for me, rather than Cahill, I thought Matt Guelphie in the last game against Richmond sort of struggled a fair bit. So um, I, I think I could see Matt Guelphie maybe getting pushed down to the sub role and then like a Cahill coming in um, to fill that role. So, uh, yeah, for me, I, I'm guessing that Matt Guelphie might be the, might be the sub this week. Um, that's it for the questions. The The game is in Tasmania. Um, I think this has proven again that we have good supporter base, it seems, um, across the country, which is really which is really nice to see. So there's been a lot of people uh, commenting on, you know, the Essendon Facebook page and that about getting tickets and seeing Essendon live in their, 
in their home state of Tasmania. Um, I think the club only got allocated about 1,500 tickets. The game's a sellout. Um, you know, the crowd will probably be about 12,000 or so. And I think a lot of those tickets will be Hawthorns because it's their home game. Um, but I think what we take from it is that, yeah, there's a lot of supporter base around the country. And uh, I guess the fact that we can't have the games in Victoria, although unfortunate for Victorian fans, um, it provides great opportunity for fans in other states to see the team live. So that's been that's been really nice to watch and uh, and a good story kind of out of the whole thing about Bomber fans across the country being able to see them play live. At, you know, it's been only in two states at the moment, but I guess there's been a lot of uh, interstate games that we played anyway in the first half of the year. So there's been a real good spread of opportunity for people in, in all states to see the Bombers. Yeah, uh, it certainly is. It's good to see the Bomber fans in Tasmania uh, getting out and supporting the boys. I just, I'm not sure exactly the amount of members that we've uh, we've got, but I, I would hope that they would have got priority allocation for those tickets. Uh, you know, say if there was only you know 500 guys that are, are, are putting money into the club to be a member of a year from Tasmania, they should be given the first opportunity to to get those tickets uh, over you know just the general populace or someone who's a fan. Uh, we've had a long history of players in Tasmania there, and it's kind of might take me to to a point there. You know, obviously the only ruck, the only Tasmanian on the list at the moment is uh, is Andy Phillips there, and um, uh, from, our, from our discussion, at least uh, he certainly won't be able to play at home in front of his uh, friends and family, which is unfortunate there. But um, uh, yeah, it'll kind of uh, it's funny how we talk about that. Kind of we've had had a, have a history of but. It, the Tasmanian Ruckman with obviously a T-Bell, Tommy Bell Chambers from Tasmania and obviously uh, one, of, one of the favourites from the mid-2000s and Jason Laycock, the Frenchman. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how we go down there. I guess uh, it's been well publicised that this is kind of the first time in a long time that we've managed to go down to Tasmania and play a game for four points. So the last time was uh, in 1992, around 17 against Fitzroy uh, at the North Hobart Oval. So, uh, yeah, it's obviously been a long time there when the opposition's Fitzroy. So we won that game by three points. And kind of an interesting fact of the game there is that Robert Shaw was actually uh, coaching uh, Fitzroy at the time. And Robert Shaw is actually a Tasmanian himself and a former Essendon player and life member. And he's obviously, I think he played 50 games for the Bombers. He was... Also involved heavily in the Essendon uh, Cricket Club there. He was a dual sport player back back when you could be a dual sport player. So he was uh, Essendon, uh, Essendon in the winter, Essendon in the summer there, uh, Robert Shaw. And obviously he's had a long association at AFL over an assistant coach. He was an assistant coach with us uh, with the 2000 Premiership. And then he was obviously, he's, I think he's a school teacher by trade and he was down, I think, with Brighton Grammar, which he coached uh, for a long time. There and you know Andy McGrath was a was a player of, of his at Brighton Grammar. I think uh, when we were looking at the whether to take McGrath at the number one pick, uh, I think we relied heavily on uh, Robert Shaw's uh, assessment of him as a player as to whether or not we take him. And obviously, the intangibles of like leadership and stuff like that, I think, play heavily in uh, in Andy's favour. So on that day, there's a crowd of ten thousand. Two hundred and sixty-five. So hopefully, we can get a, a few more than that at this game there against uh, against Hawthorne there. So uh, it's funny we said mentioned ninety-two. Twelve of those players that played in that game went on to play in the flag, the, the Baby Bombers flag in ninety-three, and, and then uh, so half the side pretty much. So there's some pretty pretty big names of the football club when you go through it. So you know, Gary O'Donnell, Mark Harvey, Bomber Thompson. Uh, Gav Wanganine, Dean Wallace, Darren Burick, Paul Salmon, Chris Danaher, Michael Long, David Grenfold, Paul Hills and uh, Peter Somerville. And then obviously some other guys that played that day that were Greg Anderson, Anthony Danaher, Bradley Plain, David Flood, Derek Kickett, Glenn Kilpatrick, Kieran Spawn and Michael Werner. So it was uh, interesting as I was kind of uh, rolling through that side to see how many premiership players actually uh, – Made it down there, but it was great to see some uh, some blast from the past in terms of uh, some of the players there, like David Flood, Bradley Plain, <laughs> Kieran Spawn. You know, <laughs> haven't heard those names in a while, so it was good to uh, good to kind of re- reminisce on uh, players of yesteryear. 
yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we've played in Tassie, so it's it's going to be good to go back and uh, and see the red and black back in Tasmania playing footy. So that'll be something to look forward to. Um, we're almost at the end here, but before we get to the end, we always talk about our predicted result and margin. Um, so I might kick us off. So I think the Bombers can win this. We'll we'll avenge the round one loss. Uh, that was a devastating one-point loss to Hawthorne. And I think that we'll get up in this game by 25 points. Um, and I'm hoping we get through injury-free and it's just a cruisy 25-point win. What did you think? Uh, I also think that we'll win. I also hope that we get through injury-free. Uh, I'm going to be a bit more bolder. Normally, I'm the more circumspect and you know, potentially might be classed as pessimistic out of the two of us. But I think we're, we're in for a good, uh, you know, 45 to 50-point win. Or well, maybe that's just a hope because I hate Hawthorne. But, yeah, I think we're, uh, we're in for a good showing. Well, there we go. Well, I hope, uh, hope your prediction is... Uh is more on, on the mark than what mine is. That'll be enjoyable to watch. Okay, well, the game's on Sunday. Um, we don't normally get to do these uh, Thursday team selection shows. It's been good. Um, it's been a nice little change and being able to talk a bit more in detail about some of the selections and some of the questions about who might play and who might not rather than speculating it. Um, so that's been good and hopefully something we can maybe do a few more times as well, uh, time permitting as, as the season goes on or into next year. Yeah, and especially if... Uh... If the people out there listening to us, if you want us to do a, you know, more Thursday shows or even make Thursday a regular thing, just kind of engage with us on our social media. So we have a, a Facebook and an Instagram page. Just kind of let us know if you would like us to kind of do this more often. Uh, like if there's anything that you'd like to for us to add or to change or if you have any suggestions or if you think that we're – our ins and outs, our selected teams are wrong. What What are your selected teams? What would you What would you pick? So yeah, it's kind of interesting to see what comes of this uh, Thursday night show and if it becomes a regular thing. Definitely. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Uh, go Dons. Go Bombers.